This program is brought to you by Abiding Above Ministries. I want to bring a message this morning, starting over with God. You say, well, how do you start over with God? You see, you can't make changes of things you've done in the past. But between now and when God calls you home, you can make lasting change. You can't undo what you've done, but you can live in such a way according to God's Word and His Spirit that you can make lasting changes in your lives and also encourage the lives of those around you. So I want to ask you this right now. How would you describe your spiritual life right now? How would you describe your spiritual life right now? Jesus said that life can be an abundant life. What did he mean by that? Most people think abundant. They think more money, more food, more possessions, larger house, nicer car. That's what they think about abundantly. But Jesus is talking about spiritually. Our spiritual life can be more abundant because guess what? No matter how much world's possessions you have in this life, you're going to die and leave it. Isn't that what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes? He says, it's all vanity. It's all vanity, nothing but vanity. In other words, I've worked and given my whole life to accumulate and to build and grow. And then he began to say, who gets all of this? And basically, when you read Ecclesiastes, it's like he's thinking, will they appreciate what it has cost me with all the things that I've been able to do and build? And then he said, vanity. It's all just vanity. So I want to say this today. If you'll exercise your human will, you can start over with God. You see, much of our apathy, we see a lot of apathy these days. It's like people don't have purpose anymore. They do have purpose, but they don't know what it is. And in some countries, if you didn't have purpose and you didn't act on it, you wouldn't live long, you'd starve to death. But in America, you can be purposeless and still be obese. Only in America do you see this happen. And also in Europe. So there's much apathy that comes in the experience of a child of God because he simply just lacks faith that God will do something in me and through me. Just simply lacks faith that God is real. I mean, there is a lot of people who simply lack faith. So, you exercise faith when you ask Christ to come into your heart. I, when I come down here, I'm usually thinking most of these people at some point in their life have heard the gospel. Many of you have heard it over and over again for many years. I do believe that many of you are born again, but maybe you haven't moved forward in the next steps, so you have kind of a weak faith. Watch Bonnie, who wrote The Spiritual Man, and he wrote The Release of the Spirit. He gives an illustration. There were three men walking down a wall, a brick wall. The first man's name was Fact. The second man's name was Faith. And the third man's name was Feelings. And they were walking down a wall together. Everything was fine until the man named Fact turned around and looked at the man named Faith. And the man named Faith turned around and looked at the man named Feelings. And all three of them fell off the wall. You see, you and I have to keep our minds on the facts of the Word of God. We have to put our faith in God's facts, and we should let our feelings come and go as they are. 
just in a little while, you'll have some feelings that will hit you and you'll be tempted to go do something you should not do. It'll be a feeling that you have, but you can choose to say, no, no. The facts are, if I do that, it hurts me and it hurts others. I may feel like I'm going to do this, but I don't have to do this. The facts are, it's bad for you. But our problem is, most of the time, we act on what we feel instead of acting on the faith and facts, and we fall off the wall. And so, when you find yourself in this condition where you're living your life by what you feel instead of by what God says, when you find yourself there, how do you simply start over? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. This is a starting place. Hebrews 11, verse 1, says this. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for by the conviction of things not seen. So Hebrews 11.1 1 is not necessarily given a definition of faith, but it's giving a description of what faith does. It actually, you have to act. You can have faith and do nothing. That's not real faith. When you put your trust, your faith, in the facts of the Word of God, but not only just put your trust there, I mean act on what you put your trust in, the assurance of things not seen. You know what happens? You begin to experience what you put your faith in. So assurance means essence or reality. In other words, I can't see God. I can't see my future. But the Bible tells me the facts of God's word that he is here. We can't see God, but we put our faith in him that we can't see him. I'm so assured that the word of God is real and is truth and active that I'm going to put my faith in what God's Word says about God, what God's Word says about me, what God's Word says about others, and I'm so trusting God and believing that I'm going to walk by faith in it, and then I have assurance of those things which I cannot see. The word conviction means proof or evidence. So faith itself proves what is unseen, what is real. You have to live a life Simply walking by faith. And the beauty is this. As you do that, more and more you see what I'm putting my faith in is real. And I now have evidence to prove it. And then you start putting your faith in him more and more and more. And you begin to experience what God always expected you to do and be since the day you were born. But you have to walk by faith. So it makes things hoped for as real as if we already had them. And it provides unshakable evidence that the unseen spiritual blessings of Christianity are absolutely certain they're absolutely real. I'm telling you, as a 60-year-old man, I'll be 61 next month. But I'm actually nine months older than that. If you think about it, it may not work with the Social Security office when I try to get Social Security, but the truth is I'm nine months older than I realize sometimes. But we keep moving by faith. And it's like more and more it's easy because I'm trusting God. And I've watched what he's done. I've watched what he's doing. 
And I really believe in what I know He's going to do in the future. And so, in other words, walking by faith brings the future within the present and makes the invisible seen. So, faith is simply confidence in the trustworthiness of God. In other words, I'm trusting the one who created me as a baby. I'm totally trusting him with my life here on this earth. It is the conviction that what God says is true and that what he promises will come to pass. But I can't stay still in this matter of faith. I move forward trusting in God. That is faith. Then you see the reality of it as it comes through you. So, let's remember this. A weak faith causes you not to grow spiritually. All right, so the title of the lesson is Starting Over with God. You say, why do I need to do that? If you really are honest with yourself, and if I'm honest with me, our lack of faith is what causes us to be stunted and spiritual growth. You can cram your mind full of Bible knowledge, and I'm a big, firm believer in spending time in God's Word every day. But I also know this. You can know a lot about God's Word, but until you walk by faith in what you're learning, you're just cramming your mind full of knowledge. You can go feed the poor, which is a good thing to do, but until you act on your human will to simply move out and trust God, exercising real faith, even though you go feed the poor, you give money to the church, or you do things like that, until you step out in faith and do what God's telling you to do, you're not going to grow spiritually. You're just in a standstill. I remember many years ago, I was a railroad engineer in the Mississippi Delta. I was beginning to grow as a Christian, but I still had a long way to go. I used to be very shy about speaking publicly. It made me nervous. I had a fear of being rejected. But I was beginning to grow because I was beginning to walk by faith. I had made a decision. Forsaking all, I trust Him. F-A-I-T-H. Forsaking all, I trust Him. And because I was now walking by faith, I was beginning to grow spiritually, and people around me began to notice when I didn't even really notice it myself. They began to realize, Chris is walking with God. And so that prompted a man, his name was Glenn Shiles. That prompted him to ask me if I'd be willing to teach a single Sunday school class on Sunday morning. And everything inside of me said, don't do that. They'll laugh at you. You don't know the Bible well enough. You can't be a teacher. All that stuff hit me. But God's Holy Spirit said, Chris, do it and simply trust me and I'll do the rest. And so I told him I did not feel qualified, but if you need me, I'll try it and I'm going to trust God. He said, that is exactly what we're looking for. And I've been running my mouth ever since. <laughs> I mean, it started that simply. I can remember going back to that church years ago now, going up to that room where I taught my first Sunday school lesson. And I remember just looking out of the window and just looking over the city 
And I remember thinking, praise God, I did not tell him no. Because now I preached to over 89,000 people in Ethiopia. I preached in many churches and conferences and things. And it never would have happened if I hadn't just simply said yes to teaching a Sunday school class, though I was a railroad engineer. I'm so glad I just stepped out in faith and trusted God. Some of you right now, God's telling you to do something. You got an opportunity. You feel inadequate. You need to stand up and start walking and say, God, I'm going to do it. If you tell me to run my head through a brick wall, I'm going to bend over and start running toward it, and I'm trusting you to provide a hole when I get there. You have to choose to walk by faith. So we have to remember, weak faith causes you not to grow spiritually. But when you choose not to base your decisions on what you're feeling at any given moment, all that God ever intended for you begins to unfold right in front of you, and you will always say this, I wished I had started walking by faith years and years ago. So, growing spiritually comes with stepping out and doing things you thought you could not do. So here's the question. What is God nudging you to step out in faith and do? You must follow through if you want to walk in the awareness of his presence. So, let's go back now to what we're reading in Hebrews chapter 11. We know Hebrews chapter 11 as the heroes of the faith. It basically, especially this particular chapter, deals with the vision and the endurance of faith. In other words, just trusting God in his leading and then watching what happens. So this chapter introduces us to men and women of the Old Testament who had 20-20 spiritual vision. They were men and women of faith, and all of them endured tremendous shame and suffering rather than renounce their faith. They went through hard times because they say, I know it's going to be awkward, it's going to be complicated, and it may cause perseverance but I'm choosing to walk by faith no matter what. So, in Hebrews it says, By faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. By faith Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, but in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household. Noah built an ark, and at that time, rain did not come down from above. It just came up through the vegetation. People laughed at him. What's he building an ark for? He could not see what was going to happen. He was trusting on what God was showing him was going to happen. He acted on it and built an ark while everybody laughed at him. So, by faith, Abraham, when he was called, he obeyed by going out to a place where he was to receive uh, an inheritance. He walked by faith. By faith, even Sarah herself received the ability to conceive a baby, though she was in a very old age. She still had a baby. By faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, he offered up Isaac. He was going to 
make an altar and crucify his son because God was leading him to do that. But eventually God provided a ram in the thistles, provided another sacrifice. But by faith, he was going to follow through on what God called him to do. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding things that were to come. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. Now, if you turn over to the next chapter in Hebrews, to chapter 12, there's two verses I want us to look at here. As you think about starting all over again, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, he's talking about all those that were mentioned in chapter 11, the heroes of the faith that you see in the Old Testament. Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Listen to this. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What did he mean by a great cloud of witnesses? They were not spectators, those great clouds of witnesses. They were not spectators for us, but they were witnesses to us of their faith. So as we look back, and see what their life was like back in the Old Testament, we think they couldn't have known everything in front of them. They did not know what was going to happen, but they just trusted God that he was going to provide for them and watch them through, and that's what happens, and you see this in the heroes of faith. They just kept moving forward. You would like to know what God is going to do with you next. I'll tell you how you figure that out. It's you begin to walk by faith. And then it all unfolds. But if you sit and you soak and you sour, no matter how much Bible reading you do, if you don't act on what you're learning and the inner working of the Holy Spirit, you will always wonder what God would have done with me if I'd simply stood up and walked by faith. You know, as I drove in uh, to the mission here, I saw a man on the street corner here and he's completely laid down. Basically, he's made a bed on a street corner. And he's laid down right in front of everybody. And it's 11.25 a.m. And I'm thinking, I wish I could pick him up and take him somewhere and let him complete something and then pay him cash and say, you can do this again tomorrow. I just know he would be happier instead of laying on a bed in the middle of the day and people looking, wondering what's wrong. We have to walk by faith and do the duty that lies nearest. It may not be what you'll do the rest of your life, but it's the beginning. But you've got to walk by faith. Not walking in childlike faith brings complacency. Not walking simply in childlike faith brings complacency. We just become complacent. When we find that we are complacent in the things of God, we must come to God in, number one, confession. 
Lord, I am complacent. I'm not walking by faith. Therefore, spiritually, I'm not growing and it's pulling me down being the way I am. Lord, I come to you, number one, in confession. That is, I agree with God. I am out of God's will for my life. This is not God's will for my life. I agree with God that he has the perfect plan for me. If he allowed me to be born, he has a wonderful plan for my life. But I'm not walking by faith, so it's not unfolding before me. And I'm stuck, still complacent. I come to you, Lord, in confession. I agree with God. I must begin again to walk by faith. Remember what Paul said to the church at Philippi in Philippians 1.6. He says, for I am confident. How do you become confident? Walk by faith. And then you begin to see the reality of what you had confidence in. He says, for I am confident of this very thing, that he who began, he who began in me, a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. I want to tell you, you may have given up on yourself, but God has not given up on you. You say, well, prove that. All right, walk by faith and God will prove it to you. I put it back in your lap. To get up off the street corner with all the bed linings, walk away from that street corner and begin to walk by faith and watch what God will do. It's unbelievable what God has done with men and women across this nation who finally said, enough is enough. I'm going to trust God and walk by faith so he can complete in me what he created me to be. You see, the same way the saints of old, when we read about them in God's word, they walked by faith. They couldn't always see everything clearly, but they began to see things clearly as they acted and walked by faith. And so now we can see how God mightily used them and he'll use us in the same way, but we have to get up and walk by faith. So we start by confession. Agreeing with God, we are not walking by faith. Lord, I confess to you against my own self. I'm not allowing you to lead me I'm leading me, and it's not working out very good for me. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. You've heard this many times. If we confess our sins, He is faithful. There that word is again. He is faithful, and He's righteous. In other words, He's perfect. So He's the one who does what He does perfectly. He, if we confess our sins, He's faithful. You can trust Him. And He's righteous. He's perfect to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What's God wants you to do? He wants you to simply start all over again. Well, I don't know what it's going to mean. Have you really known what it's going to mean all these years? No, I haven't. Well, then at some point you got to walk by faith or you're never going to know what walking by faith is. Everything will change for you if you'll stand up and say, from here forward, even when I'm uncomfortable, I choose to walk by faith. You put your faith in your position, crucified with Christ. Not only did he die for me, he died as me. God has placed me in Christ, and I'm seated right now in Christ at his right hand. God sees me already in heaven because he's on 
omnipotent and omniscient and knows all things. He's all powerful. I put my childlike trust, my faith in a power that's resident within me who is the Holy Spirit. Oil in the lamp, gas in the car, Christ in the Christian. You're the glove, he's the hand. Rely on the hand to live his life in and through you as you abide in him. Because faith in our standing makes it real in our experience. You say, I want some reality. Stand up, walk by faith, and trust God. And it begins to be evident to you. But you must choose to do this. So, if you want to start over with God, there is, number one, confession. Number two, there's determination. Let's remember, we are living in a small portion of eternity. We call it time. Everybody that's ever been born has physically died. Even if they're very wealthy or very famous, they are dead. And you're going to be dead one day. You say, what happens? You either go to a place called heaven, the Bible says, or you go to a place called hell, the Bible says, and there's no clock, there's no watch, there's no calendar. We use these things in this moment called time. But in heaven or in hell, it never gets older. You stay in that state forever. There's no way to come out. It's forever. You don't grow old in hell. You don't grow old in heaven. It's forever. What you do with God's Word and His Holy Spirit now determines forever. Don't let this moment called time, the Bible calls in James, our life is but a vapor. Don't let Satan and his demons and substance abuse don't let that keep your mind like an ant on an anthill instead of saying, what happens when I die because I'm going to die? Then what? Ask yourself that question. Don't let Satan and his demons keep holding your mind to things that are passing away because you'll die and you'll go into darkness or you'll go into heaven. You have to ask yourself the question, after death, then what? To start over with with God, there has to be confession, there has to be determination. We are to run with endurance the race that set us before us. You see that in Hebrews 12.1. And yes, sometimes it's difficult. But remember, you're dying daily. Sometimes it's difficult, but not always. But when it's difficult, you say, I keep going, God knows, He understands, and I trust Him. That's endurance. You see, there are difficulties in life. All of us have dealt with it. If you respond correctly, your faith grows and you grow spiritually. But if you respond incorrectly, you stunt your spiritual growth, and you can be in that rut for many years, even until physical death, unless you say, I'm going to start all over with God. Again, Hebrews 12.1 says, encumbrance, that is weight, 
He uses the word entangles. Uh, back in those days, because they wore long robes, if they had to run somewhere, they would have to reach and pull up their robes above their knees so they wouldn't stumble and fall. So basically what he's saying is that robe that you lift up above your knees so you can run. Because if you don't, you'll be so entangled, so encumbered that you can't run without falling. That's a picture of sin, whatever your sin is. It's a picture of getting so entangled with this world system that is controlled by Satan and his demons that you keep falling down and falling down and falling down and you're tired of falling down. You have to say, I'm starting over with God. And if you blame someone else, my friend, it's going to delay you starting over with God. You cannot keep blaming other people who don't know you because they didn't do anything. It is you entangled in the world system making wrong decisions. Pull up the robes. Ask the question, what keeps me from God? Earthly attractions are like a magnet. Not everyone is the same in temptation. What you're tempted with, somebody else may not be. What someone else is tempted with, you may not have that temptation. But temptation pulls you down like a weight. It entangles you, and you lose years and years and years, and you wonder what's happened. Turn back to God. If you were given a lot of money, more than likely the money would destroy you. It's just the way it is. Money pulls people down. You say, well, I sure would like to try it. Some people take it, and they're a blessing to many people. Just like Memphis Union Mission, this building was built by people who gave away some of their riches so that people could have a place of shelter as they began to overcome and turn back to God. Some people wouldn't dare put a penny in here. They want to go buy a drink. They want to go buy drugs. They want to go sleep with a prostitute. They're not putting money in here. I can go have a good time with my money. Thank God for those who given what they earn and work for to build this place called Memphis Union Mission. Amen? Praise God. They didn't have to. They did. They listened to God and said yes, and they gave, and they used their expertise to build this wonderful place. Mark chapter 4, verse 19, listen to what Jesus said. But the worries of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So, again in verse 2, in Hebrews, it says, fixing your eyes on Jesus. Not the world system that's passing away. You say, well, how do you do that? Get up each morning and have a quiet time. I would encourage you to go to bed earlier at night. Don't stay up all night. You know what my grandmother used to say when we were kids? After about 10 o'clock, she said, there's nothing but heathens out there. She called it heathens instead of heathens. She said, you ought to be inside by 10 o'clock at night because there's nothing but heathens out there. And you know what? There's a lot of truth to that. You know why? Because people want to do their evil deeds in darkness. Why do they want to be in darkness when they do their evil deeds? It's because they know what they're doing wrong is wrong. And they're telling God to shut up when it gets dark, I'm going to do this. I know it's wrong. That's why I'm doing it in the darkness. Shut up, God. That's what people are doing all over this city. And if they don't turn to Christ, when they physically die, they're going to hell. And it won't be because God hates you, because the God that you tell to shut up every day, 
all day long is the one who sent his son to die for you. He loves you and he wants the best for you. You can be your own worst enemy if you're not careful. Get up in the morning and have a quiet time. Have Christian friends. Be careful who you hang out with. Birds of a feather flocks together. Be careful who you're with. Don't be with just anybody. They will bring you down. They'll introduce you to things you do not need to be introduced to. Keep close accounts with God. Stay close and clean. Walking, talking, listening to Him. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I want to encourage you, surround yourself with Christian men and women. Walk away from those who are pulling themselves down, pulling their sons and daughters down. Walk away from those who are pulling their grandchildren down, their communities down, and their nations down. Walk straight away from them because they only do harm continually because they continually tell God no and tell themselves yes, all the while they continue to physically die. It's not worth being around them. It's not that you're better than them, but you're making better decisions. Choose to walk intimately with God. And so, you think about this. You say, well, should I go to church or not? Well, let me ask you this. If you're a child of God, Jesus lives inside of you, correct? Where do you think Jesus inside of you wants to be on Sunday morning? He wants to be at a local church with other brothers and sisters in Christ. So why don't you get up on Sundays and take Jesus who's in you to church? Amen? And talk to him along the way. And then talk to him when you walk back home. Let Jesus be Jesus in you. Hebrews 12, 3, 4, consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Sometimes you think, I can't handle anymore by the way people are. Let that be your reminder of what happened to Jesus. Look what happened to him. He died a horrible death on a cross. Remember, what I'm going through is nothing compared to what Jesus went through. And when you see it correctly, you say, if that's what he did and he lives in me, I'm choosing to walk by the power of his Holy Spirit so that I won't grow weary and lose heart. I just keep moving forward in him. Verse 3, Hebrews 12, consider him who has endured. Verse 3 again, so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. Physically, you may grow tired. Spiritually, the Holy Spirit is continually refreshing you spiritually. Physically, you may grow tired. Someone once said, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is lay your body down so it can rest. You walk in His presence knowing I'm in Christ. Christ is in me. Someone has said this, I get weary in the work but not weary of the work. And you know, you can parallel that with this. You may be weary sometimes as a Christian, but you're not weary of being a Christian, a Christ follower. 
But sometimes there are times we have to endure. We have to persevere. But the Holy Spirit in us, like a kite, the wind lifts a kite. The Holy Spirit in us lifts us during these times. Long ago, a man named Cliff Barrows, he used to lead the music at the Billy Graham Crusades. He was in my home with my father-in-law and I, sitting in my study. And he said, guys, he said, I've learned to do this. All these years of traveling with Billy Graham, doing the Crusades all over the world. He said, there comes times in my life that I just have to halt. That word halt. This is what he said. H-A-L-T. Halt. When I'm hungry, halt. When I'm angry, halt. When I'm lonely, halt. When I'm tired. Because when you're hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, you make wrong decisions. You need to halt and say, God, I'm listening to you. I choose to walk by faith. It's unpleasant, but I'm going to keep walking, talking, listening to you. You will return to abiding in Him who is your life. And so, I just want to encourage you to continue walking, talking, listening to God all the days of your life. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. 1 Corinthians eleven thirty one says, But if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. What does this mean? If we exercise this self-judgment, it will not be necessary for us to be chastened by God. So, I want to encourage you, if you're going to start over with God, number one, there has to be confession. And then you have to continue on in number two, determination. And then you have to find yourself choosing to walk with God by faith, fixing your eyes upon Jesus, and never looking away from Him. Amen. You've been listening to Abiding Above Ministries with Chris Hodges. If you would like Chris to speak at your church or event, please go to our website, abidingabove.org. God bless you and make you a blessing.